Right. 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 Hey, before we get started, uh, fully officially started, I don't know if we'll ever do that, but uh, I would love for the ladies, ladies, grab your cell phones, probably, uh, I want you to grab your cell phone and I want you to put this number in. You're going to text someone here. I got to find the number. As you're getting that, I want to remind everyone, I, I love telling people about you. There's times that Deb and I and Nanny and Pop get asked to participate in some of these functions and and one of those times was last night and so we're participating and it was not a funeral home for Pete's sake. <laughs> but it's a cool funeral home, it really is. It looks like a retreat center. So basically what we were asked to do is just go in and man, let's celebrate. And man, we love to do that, so we said, Heck yeah, we're in. We'll do that with you. And so as we did, people ask, you know, where do you worship or where do you go? And, and so the, the, the chance that we get to tell them is that, well, it's, it's called the refuge, but we're having church right now. You know, if you live any life, wherever you walk into, it turns into a place of worship. Amen. Right? Amen. And so this being the least amount of time in our week that is official worship is that we put heavy emphasis on the fact that wherever you are at work or at school, at home, that's worship. All right, and so uh, when I was telling this lady last night, her nickname was T, and was telling her what it was like, and I said, well, here's, here's what I hope it's like. Is that I want it to be like your living room. That coming in here should be just almost, almost as comfortable as you walking into your living room. That we as a people that love Jesus together are walking in a room where we're just lounging with family. And that's you. That's you, gang. And so I am honored that I get a chance to be in your living room tonight. Alright? Y'all ready for the number? This is a friend of ours, and uh, she has uh, stumbled a bit, but it does not define who she is. Right now, she thinks it has. And uh, we're saying as a people that love will buckle you. And so, ladies, your love going into her, all I want you to say is you are loved. All right? Her number is 615 615- You got it? 615-556-1162. Yeah, it may pop up in your phone as someone you recognize. Does everyone hit sin? She may have a flip phone. It may blow hers up. <laughs> I hope it does. Woo! All right, y'all ready to dig into Daniel? I'm not. Oh, Lee. I'm telling you. Guys, here, let's kind of give you an overview for the next few weeks. Is that I thought it would be kind of cool. Each, each year as we go into Christmas, I always want to try to 
pray through a way that we can walk through what we've heard for all of our lives, but walk through it in a way that maybe will open our eyes. Maybe, maybe actually open our heart a little bit wider to this Emmanuel, this God with us that we sing and pray about. But to place ourselves in the setting, and, and so this past year, what I thought would be kind of cool is that when you read the stories of Jesus, there's a central figure. And it's a central figure that, quite honestly, for me, I've not ever really studied. And when you start to look, there's not much to study. But it hit me is that Gabriel is on the scene. The angel Gabriel. Right? He taps Zechariah. He taps Mary and Joseph. But even before that, 500 years earlier, Gabriel taps Daniel. And so I thought, well, I wonder what the days look like for them before Gabriel. What did their lives look like before this encounter, before this event, before this meeting, before this conversation with some angel that God said, Gabriel! Gabriel! I hope they say yo in heaven. <laughs> yeah, Lord, yes, yes. Can you imagine that game? Just even in that moment, you're with the Creator, you're with the Father, and all of a sudden, your name is called. It'd be like any of us that have ever played any sports, you're on the bench and you're dying to get in the ball game. Bivens! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Let's go! Because I was just going to make sure you were here. But God calls Gabriel and He sends him out. Don't we want to know maybe that on the three times that Scripture shows, there's some folks that, that think He had a fourth visit with John, but there's three distinct people that we can read about that God had this conversation with Gabriel and said, go see him, go see her, and tell them this. I want to talk to those people. What was that like? <laughs> Did, were you just frightened when you first saw him? Did you shake like crazy in his presence? And so we're going to do that tonight. We're going to look at Daniel. And, and, and gang, you don't have to go there. Let me tell you something that we're not going to do, alright? So let me read this first, and let me tell you one thing that we're not going to do after I read this, alright? Hebrews tells us the purpose of angels, alright? Hebrews 1, 13-14 says, And God never said that any of the angels sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies. You know who sits at the right hand of the Father? Jesus. Who else? Me. Who else? Me. I'm looking at it. If you have said yes to Jesus, you are at the right hand of the Father. If you don't believe that, don't leave that room. Don't leave this room tonight until you come eyeball me. If you have said yes to Jesus and you are deflecting that and you don't believe that you said at the right hand, man, I've got tremendous news for you. <coughs> he goes on to say, Making them, he's talking about the enemy, making them enemies a footstool under your foot. 
Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Makes sense when we start looking at who Gabriel went to go look, talk to. Especially tonight, we'll see how he ministers. We'll see how he takes care of Daniel in the one siding, two sidings that he had with him. It's amazing. Here's what we're not going to do. Okay? And here's what we're not about. When you read the book of Daniel, it's, it's tough. It's hard. It's thick. It's got all these different visions in there. It's got all these different dreams in there. And people are trying to interpret those. Daniel interprets some of them. The one that Gabriel comes and helps him to interpret, you know, we can pretty much bank on that. But even in that game, Here's what happens with us as a body of Christ. And we're saying that's why I love hanging out with you and the folks that are watching in and that we live life with Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Is that we're looking for ways to unite. Is that we're, we're not allowing addresses to determine who we hang out with. We're not allowing addresses to uh, identify us. That the only identifier is Jesus. And so in that, what we're not going to be about is like what a, a lot, some of the other folks will do is go, well, it does say that, but here's what it means. And if you don't think that, then you're wrong. We're not doing that. I'm not. And I don't believe you guys want to either. That's not what we're here for. We're here to unify, Right? Through one heart, through one faith, through one baptism, through one resurrection, through one Jesus. And I'm loving that you're here for that. So what we will do is that we'll look at Daniel and how he strolled through this, okay? The one thing about it, here's a quick litmus test. Especially on the end of times. Everybody wants to try to figure that out for some reason. I, I don't understand that. I, I'm just a simple Tullahoma boy. Uh, but especially when I read the words of Jesus and He says, Heaven and earth will disappear, but My words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven. So, did you get that? Gabriel, the guy that God said, Gabriel, I'm giving you great information. You're going to tell Mary and Joseph that I'm coming to save the world. You would think He might be in on the in crowd. <laughs> he might be on the inner circle of God. <laughs> but I just read, he don't even know. If someone asked Gabe up here, he's going like, yeah, I don't know. Does it matter? <laughs> Does it matter? Are you secure? And that's the thing. That's, that's the test. That's the test. That's the test. If you knew the end of the day was coming, would your life change tomorrow? And if your answer to that is yes, why? What's going to change and why? Because if there's something that you would change out of fear that the, that the end is coming, then you don't believe you sit at the right hand of the Father. You're not secure in your position and your love that Jesus has for us through His death, burial, and resurrection. To tell us, die. It is finished. But before we heard those words, there had to be a birth... And before the birth, there was 500 years before that when Daniel was on the scene. 
Daniel is the second son of King David. You guys remember him? Little shepherd boy. A lot of folks remember King David probably more because of his uh, actions with Bathsheba. Everybody, oh, everybody go, oh, yeah, I remember that one now. Yeah, that boy got in some trouble. Lord, don't we all? And we all. Daniel's mama is named Abigail. It was uh, King David's third bride. I have to believe that Bathsheba was after Abigail, so I have to believe at the age that Daniel was around that he saw and heard some of the stuff that was going on when his daddy was doing what he was doing. That he he probably overheard (laughs) some conversations about his daddy doing some things that daddy shouldn't be doing. And yet we'll see it didn't sway him. Because at the age of 13 to 15, now remember gang, remember what we're not going to do? We're not going to split hairs in the age 13, 15. He was a young guy. So if you're, if you're like 13, 15 years old in that era, would you stand up just for a second? Anybody in here that age? All right. Dang, that's cool. Man, this is so cool. All right, gang, look. All right, you can sit back down. Take a look at their eyeball. That is the age. Look at their face. Yeah. They're captured. They've just been captured. They've been learning these ways of King David. And so now their kingdom has just been taken over, and they see that these fellas right here are able and willing to learn. That they have the gift to be able to be taught. And so King Nebuchadnezzar and the guys from Babylon, when they came in and took them over, they got these guys. And said, we're going to train you in the Babylonian way. And we're going to put you through a three-year training period. Alright? Now gang, you saw their faces. They brought them in. They start training them up. And man, they start feeding them stuff that, quite honestly, probably all of us would like. It's real meaty. Real rich food. And yet these old boys, about a year, almost two years into the deal, year into the deal, they're going, Ugh. I'm telling you, Eric, the guy that was, that was leading them, that was training them in the Babylonian way, they went up to him and said, look, if you'll just give us a 10-day experiment and let us eat what we've grown to know that is best for us, because see, they were under the law of God and God told them specific things to eat. And in that moment, they're starting to believe that God knows better for them than they knew for themselves. And so what that meant is going, look, if you'll let me eat the foods that I'm accustomed to eating, which are vegetables, Pop would have loved that, right? He would have. So anyone that's in that vegan, that vegetarian, you would have been all in. Give us ten days and we'll be able to serve you better by eating our diet. And so in that, they were giving honor to God and guess what happened? It happened. They did it. And so they started to win favor. They started to see from a people of Babylon, they're like that old verse, they were in the world, but they weren't of it. Remember, gang, they were held captive. Now, it's not this prison like what you might think of. They're being held to be able to serve royalty. They came from royalty. 
They understood fancy. So they knew how to navigate through that system. And so they're doing so and yet paying homage to God in how they were going to eat and serve. Let's move on. After the second year, King Nebuchadnezzar has a, has a dream. Anybody have a dream last night that you remember? I don't remember my dreams. Everybody says you dream every night. I don't know. Anybody have one that they remembered? Bit, any bit? A little bit? No one? All right, killed that. <laughs> Let's pretend someone had a dream. <laughs> Let's pretend that Dotson had a dream last night. And he says, I want you to tell me what my dream was and what it meant. That's what King Nebuchadnezzar came in this one day and he told all of his astrologers, he told all the people, the handlers, the magicians, the ones that could do that, the interpreters. And, and they, they looked at him and said, well, just tell us what the dream was and then we'll tell you what it meant. He went, no. I want you to tell me what my dream was, then tell me what it meant. And so as that went on and on, they said, there's no way we can do that. King Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm killing all of you. <laughs> You're the king. You get to get rid of things you don't like. He didn't like that. He said, I'm going to kill everyone. Word got to Daniel and the boys because they were going to be slaughtered as well because they were considered wise men. And they were going to be slaughtered as well. Daniel is able to call a timeout in the deal and says, man, if you'll let, give me time. Give me time. If I pray to my God, and he told his boys, pray that God gives us the vision. Pray that God gives us the answer. And they pray. And Daniel's given the answer. And he goes, and if you were to go back and read it, it would just absolutely cobweb you up. You know, maybe you read it first time and go, wow, I understand that perfectly clear. But he gives them this vision that is just complicated as can be. And Nebuchadnezzar is wild. They change his name. And part of his name means that God lives in you. The Spirit of God is in you. And it's Belteshazzar. It's this crazy name. I'm probably mispronouncing that thing. I've tried over and over. And I said, I, just, I, I don't have the gift to pronounce that name. They changed their names to a Babylonian name, and yet part of that name meant God's Spirit is within you. So they were labeling them right out of the gate. So when that happened, now remember, he's captured, he's 13 to 15, that second year, so now he's probably 17 to 18, and years start to get away from him. All right? In the, in the year of 562, all these different kings are starting to roll in. Nebuchadnezzar was the one that served the most when Daniel was captured. At approximately the age of 33, some of you will remember this story, Meshach, Abednego were thrown in the furnace. So they were probably 33 when that happened. They look in the furnace and they came out of there and not a thing in the world happened to them. And so again, they were verifying that your God is who your God says He is. Right? So they keep going on. And so in that, in these change of authorities, I think it would be something like, have you ever seen the ceremony of when presidents change from their administration to the other? Have you ever watched that? It's really fascinating to me. 
and that I'm, I'm thinking about all of the different conversations because there's a lot of staff that stays. There's a lot of staff, if you've ever watched any of those shows on National Geographic, you know, the, the Bakers and the, uh, the Butlers and uh, a lot of those guys, they stay regardless of who's in office. And so I would think that there's probably some of these conversations with the president, probably more of the chief of staff, when they would look out and they would go, hey, you can trust Salida. You, you can trust Paul. That they would exchange this information on people that were there. I, I want to believe that that's what happened with Daniel and his buddies. That as there was these change of kings coming in and out, that they would point them out and they would go, those guys there, man, they can flat interpret anything that you have on your radar screen. They are who they say they are. They trust their God to the nth degree. Every time I turn around, I see them praying. They're praying three times a day. They won't budge on their meal plan. But they are servants. And so throughout that, the guys kept getting elevated up in positions. Okay? And so where I want to land here just for a second, it would actually be in Daniel 6. This is even years on down. So in, in that year of, of 562, we're in Daniel 6. Daniel now is 5861. Now I want the guys, if you're in your 50s or older, would you stand up? I'm already up. Okay. All right, now I want you to, I want you to look. Now gang, look here. Now boys, y'all stand back up. The 13, 15. What do you see? Now look. Look at the faces. Look at the guys. All right, you can sit back down. Thanks. Look at the years. Because see, sometimes if you're like me, I'll read these words and I'm thinking, well, that was just a few days. That may have been just a few years. But by the time we get to Daniel 6 and what's about to happen to him, he looked like the boys, but he was this. Some people have got him a little bit older. It doesn't matter. It's a bunch of years. And so what's about to happen is that in that change of authority, there was no one, they, the old boys that were in with the current king, they didn't like Daniel and his buddies because they were getting all the good positions. And they even said, we can't find anything that they do that's corruptful, but if we find something, if we make a law and attach it to this faith, we'll get him. Now gang, check this out. This is so stinking cool. Daniel is with the guys when they make this law. And the law is they come in and they tell, uh, tell King Darius, hey, this would be a cool law to make. For the next 30 days, King Darius, because you're so good, long live the king. That's what they'd say to him. Long live the king. Long live the king, Darius. Isn't that funny? It reminds me of Madagascar. King Darius. And they would come in and they say, King Darius, because we worship you, let's make a law 
that if anyone doesn't worship you over the next 30 days, if we find anyone that's praying, not worshiping you, that's not uh, saluting you, that we, that we arrest them and we throw them in the lion's den. And Darius goes, why, yes, that's quite splendid. Here's my signet. Let's make that a law. And they did. For the next 30 days. Daniel's on the scene, hears that, and guess where he goes? He goes home to pray. To do the very thing that they just made a law about. And they caught him. Or did they actually catch him? They grab him up, gang. They go back to the king. King, we found someone. You said, you made a law now, king, that if we find someone that's not worshiping you in the fashion that you want to be worshiped, that you would kill them. Do you remember that, king? Yes, I sure do. Well, we have someone. Well, who? It was Daniel. And the king was dying. You see, because days earlier, Daniel had been called in to interpret some writing that was on the wall. And remember, the years have passed by him. And so in the changing of organizations, of administrations, sometimes you do get pushed to the side a little bit. Sometimes you forget what an individual can do, but the queen didn't because it flipped the old boys out so bad because, see, what they had been doing is that they were partying. Man, alive were they partying. They were partying so big that they went and got the, the goblets and all of the emblems from the temple that when Babylon took them over, the sacred temple, the temple of God, and got them and started pouring and drinking and just having... And the writing came on the wall. Now, I've, I've seen some crazy stuff in some crazy states of mind. But I've never seen any writing on a wall. Have y'all? And some people that have hit some acid a little bit probably have. <laughs> it's like, you see that, Bilbo? And I go, no, I sure don't. <laughs> and uh, check, please, I'm out. But these old boys saw it. And Daniel was called in to interpret it after the queen came up and said, hey, do you remember that you have someone in your midst that can interpret this? He has the living God living in him. She says it. (laughs) He has the Spirit of God living in him. And he can interpret it for you. And he does. And so the king just absolutely loves Daniel. And when the boys come back and tell him who it is, he's dying. That's his guy. And the king actually goes home at night and he fasts. He doesn't take on any entertainment. And he he lets him put it in there. And, And man, there is so much going on in that scene. So here's the king that's doing what his buddies want him to do. And the king doesn't want to do it, but he bows down to them. There's just so much going on. But the bottom line of it is is that Daniel goes in it. And so here's where I want to pick up and start reading. It's in Daniel 6, so I'm going to give you a chance to get there. It's, on, it, it's kind of like right in through here on my Bible. Let's see if it is in yours. It's on the left-hand side. If it's on your screen, 
You got it? So it's Daniel 6. The next morning, here's the thing. When they threw Daniel in, see if you feel any similarities here at all. It's, man, alive, it's crazy. They throw Daniel in. They roll a stone over. You ever heard of rolling a stone over? They seal it. They don't want him out. I'm not, I'm not saying that it is, but roll a stone over. He's in there. And the king the next morning is just running. And look what he says. When he got there, he called out in anguish. This is in chapter 6, verse 20. When he, he's talking about Darius, when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you served so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? I believe he screamed it. He says in anguish, Daniel, are you alive? And look what Daniel answered. Long live the king. May God, my God, my God sent His angel. Was it Gabriel? I don't know, gang. I don't know. My God sent His angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me for I have been found innocent in His sight. You have too. To tell us that the stone has been rolled away. And Jesus comes marching out of it and He declared your innocence. I don't know if that's any kind of foreshadowing at all, but man, it's pretty eerie, isn't it? Wow. Was it Gabriel? I don't know. But here's the thing. What if we had that statement thrown at us as we start to close this thing together? Was your God whom you serve faithfully... You know what that word means? Part of the definition of the word means constantly. Guess where Daniel wasn't in serving God constantly? Come on. He wasn't in this. <laughs> where was he? He was at work. He was at work. And they came and arrested him at home. And he started out in school when he was being trained. He learned right there, I don't want to eat that, please. Does that work? I can interpret that. Got it. Every day, three days, three times a day he would pray. We do know that. Wonder what he was praying right before he knew they were coming to get him. Wow. What would I be praying knowing that someone's about to come get me? What was Jesus praying right before He knew the boys were coming to get Him? My God, who sent His angel, has found me innocent. It's the same innocence that we get to wear. Closing out. Because I do want us to go back and look at Daniel 5 just for a second. How do you want to be? If I were to say this word, integrity, what what do you think of that? Speak it out. Doing the right thing when no one's 
Well said. Doing the right thing when no one's looking. What else? Honesty. Say again. Honesty. Honesty. Absolutely. What else? Yeah, doing what I say I'm going to do. My yes is my yes. Say again. Hard to get and easy to lose. Yeah, hard to get and easy to lose. Where do we gain this integrity, gang? Come on. And then how do people see it? Where are people going to see this integrity that flows through you? Right on. Not just in the church. And I believe the integrity too comes when we don't fake it. That everything just ain't fine. I believe that speaks tons of integrity. Here's how he was identified. This is in Daniel 5, verse 11. And this is the queen said, There's a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. <laughs> we do too. The God, the resurrection power, Jesus Christ is in you. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom like that of the gods. Your predecessor, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers. Verse 14, the king says, I have heard that you have the spirit of gods within you and that you're filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. You are too. You are too. How do you want to be remembered? What are your days like before Gabriel? You're living them. We're living in the days of what Gabriel said would come to pass. What are our days now like before Christ comes back? Live in victory, gang. You are operating from a place of victory because you have been found innocent when the stone was rolled away. Father, we thank You for the stone being rolled away. Thank You for a people that are in a living room that are family. And so Lord, we're going to continue to worship You through the way that we eat at the table that You have provided for us, Lord. I pray that we all just uh, celebrate You in this love feast of the communion of the bread and the cup. Father, knowing that any lines then that may be out there waiting for us, that the You within us carries us through it and we come out innocent and with no scratch. So Father, we thank You for the victory that we have that You have given us. And so we're going to believe that. And it's in Christ's name that we all pray. Amen.